This episode, Getting Gamers Together in Chicago. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 18th episode of Board Game Times, the podcast about the people, places, and events making tabletop gaming great in Chicago. As always, I'm your host, Clark Bender, and thanks for being here. Happy New Year. I know that's a little bit belated, but I'm just coming back from a nice long holiday break. Apologies for not having an episode a couple of weeks ago, but you know, like all of us, I need a little bit of time off too. But I'm glad to be back, glad to be in the thick of things, sharing great tabletop information with you, so hope you enjoy today's episode. In just a moment, we're going to be speaking to Jason Volt. Jason is the founder of the Chicago Board Game Group on Facebook, a great resource. I want to encourage everybody to sign up for it, and you'll hear more about that and get to know him in just a few minutes. But first, I have to correct a glaring omission that was in my last episode when I talked about my best gaming experiences from the year. I don't know how I forgot this, but I left out a huge one. My good friend Frank Vasquez reminded me of this. Frank has his own podcast, actually, if you want to learn about investing and retirement savings. He has a podcast called Risk Parity Radio. It's great. I highly recommend it. Totally off topic, I know, but wanted to give Frank the shout out. Frank mentioned to me that I'd forgotten to mention our annual poker smoker. What is a poker smoker? Well, I've got a group of friends that I have known since high school, some of them before high school, and as a group, we've all known each other for all those school years, and some of them even before that. So basically, most of my life, I've known this group of great guys. And somewhere in high school, we started getting together as a group to play a variety of games. Sometimes it was role-playing games, sometimes it was board games, a lot of the times it was poker. I would say poker very loosely. We occasionally played poker and poker-themed games. There was betting involved, but it was mostly just an excuse to get together, be idiots, and have fun with one another. I'm thankful to say that in our adult years, we've kind of continued the tradition. We get together generally on an annual basis. Sometimes things get in the way. It's maybe only every couple of years. Sometimes we get lucky. We get together two times in one year. My good friend Jim often organizes the get-together at his house. And as in past years, we had a get-together in the fall, and we played games, we played poker, we may have imbibed a few alcoholic beverages, there may have been some smoking of stogies involved, although I don't think we did that this year, hence the name Poker Smoker. That is always a highlight. Getting together with these guys is stupid, fun, and it's a chance to get caught up on what's going on in everybody's lives. This one was no exception. I love all these guys to death. I can't imagine not playing annually with them. So thank you, Frank, for reminding me. Certainly one of the top gaming events of the year for me, if maybe not the top one, because it's pretty great times. List now complete. Closed. We're done. Enough about me. You didn't come here to listen to me talk about me. You came here to listen to my interview with this week's guest. So let's get to it. I hope you enjoy it. I'm joined today by Jason Volt. Jason is the founder of the Chicago Board Game Group on Facebook. He's also the admin. He's a moderator. He's in charge, basically. So, Jason, thanks for coming on the show today. 
Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, very excited to talk about this. I've been on the Chicago Board Game Group for maybe now a year and a half. I feel like I discovered it pretty quickly after it was created. I think there's over 800 members. We'll get into that. But just a great place to find out about what's going on in the board game community. And Jason's going to tell us all about that. Before we get into that, though, Jason, I kind of want to just learn a little bit about you, your background, your gaming background. So tell me about yourself. Where are you from originally? Are you Chicagoan originally or lived somewhere else and then moved here? Tell me a little bit about your background, how you came to be in Chicago. Yeah, I was born and raised in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, um, southwest side. Yeah, I've been here my whole life and uh, lived in the Burbs, did the Burb thing growing up and then decided to move to the city and have my life here. Did you go to school in the area? Did you go to college in the area? What was, uh, what was that kind of background like? And were you gaming all that time or what's your game journey like? I went to school down south in central Illinois. I'd started gaming actually when I was, oh, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade. My family did the Monopoly thing. Uh, what was the other one? Life, like stuff like that. Uh, the classics. The classics, that's right. But it wasn't until one of my buddy's older brothers had gotten into uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Have you heard of that? Mm, yeah. So he got into Warhammer Fantasy, and I was just in love with it when I saw it. You know, At first, I thought these were little toys or something. And then he showed me the rule books. And they, there were several of them, and they were thick and intense. And I don't know what it was, but uh, it just pulled me in. And so my buddy uh, at the time, he started buying some stuff. I started buying some stuff. A few kids uh, on the block started buying some stuff. Next thing you know, we had like seven dudes who were into this game. And, you know, at that age, I was probably 12 or 13. And that was the most exciting thing I had going on. So in many ways, I was obsessed with it. And you know you can go down a rabbit hole with especially the older version of Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer 40K. And so we wouldn't play that often because people kept buying stuff and getting stuff for birthdays and Christmas. And so the battles we'd have would be more and more epic. You know, they'd go from um, a thousand points, which is relatively small, to like three thousand points in each side. And then we're doing three versus three. Each person brings three thousand points. And the games would take, at the, at the end of when we were really playing, I think the games would take us maybe 12 hours. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We would, uh, we would go to my buddy's parents' house. They had a nice basement. And we'd set up down there this epic three versus three battle. And we'd start maybe in the afternoon on a Saturday. And we'd play all night until 2 in the morning. Then we'd all spend the night there. And we'd pick it up the next day. You know, maybe at like noon, I'm leaving the next day after you pack everything up. And it made for some really good memories, but some really long games. Yeah. That's like the kind of time that only teenage boys have to spend on <laughs> those epic games, right? <laughs> that's that's right. But in college or even at the end of high school, it kind of fell out. We, we like almost never played. And that was really kind of the end of that. And just finding time is hard. You, know, you come back together. Everybody comes back for Christmas break or whatever. And nobody has the time to spend 13, 15 hours gaming. So we kind of stopped playing. But talking about time teenage boys have, there was a thing we used to go to called Fantasy Adventure League. FAL it was down in Frankfort, Illinois, which is maybe it's in Will County or edge of Cook County, but it's kind of out there. And they had a tournament and I would win all these tournaments all the time. And I was playing these guys in their 30s and 40s 
but they have families and jobs and responsibilities, right? So they were always losing to probably what they saw as a little kid, but a little kid with nothing but time on his hands. I'm sure that drove them absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah. There was a tournament too. I speak fondly of this because it's just one of those good memories. There was a tournament for this of Warhammer Fantasy at Prairie State College. I couldn't tell you right now where that even is, but a big tournament. Um, the winner got to meet one of the guys who'd flown over from England, Gavin Thorpe, I think. Was it all day or was it two days? I can't even remember, but I just remember people getting very surprised that my buddies and I had done very well and I had I had won. I got to meet him. Really cool experience. Did you have a particular faction that you always played? I played the Orcs and Goblins. Back then, and I'm sure people who are going to listen to this, whoever played this game, they can agree to this. It was such an expensive hobby, especially at the time when I was into it. Because when I started playing, they sold blister packs and they had maybe two Orcs or three Goblins in a blister pack and they were made of pewter. And GW, Games Workshop, at that time, didn't want to do plastic because they said it made the uh, miniatures feel like toys too much. And they wanted this to be a serious thing. You know? So you would buy, and this is even back then, you'd buy two orcs, and I think it would cost something like $6. And that's for two. And you know, I had, when we were playing, we, I had blocks of orcs that were like 30 strong. And that was just one unit. So it was a fairly, fairly expensive hobby. But no, uh, orcs and goblins were there. Every one of us played a different faction, so that was really cool. And it's something we still talk about today. Once in a while, we text, hey, have you seen the new minis? Like, wow, things have changed. Still pretty expensive, though, right? Oh, yes. It still is very expensive. Still, It's a little cheaper if you look at how many you get for the money, but it's still, it is still expensive. So do you still keep up with it? No. Um, so Warhammer had, had died down uh, because of college and life, but... What really killed it for me was they changed the rules. And I want to say it was 8th edition. One of the things that made me good at this game was you used to have to guess distances. So, for example, if I shot a uh, trebuchet or something, I would say, okay, I'm shooting here and my range, my guess is 32 and a half inches. And so I would declare all my guesses and I would measure. We'd roll some dice and then that's where the thing would land. And the same thing with charging and engaging combat. I mean, the rule book was, you know, 100 pages or whatever. Yeah, it's intense. Because of that, there was a barrier to entry that I'm sure they didn't like. And so when they rewrote the rules, they removed a lot of that. That kind of killed it for me. So, no, I mean, the last time I even played was probably, I mean, it might might have been high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, over 20 years or something. Were you really great at judging distances? Oh, yeah. And then, of course, yeah, really great at judging distances you know how far apart you'd start, depending on the scenario you played. Most of the ones we played were pitched battles. And so if you know how far you are, and most people set up as far forward as they could, you could always kind of say, okay, well, he marched that unit 14 inches. I moved my guys six inches. Um, I know I set up 10 inches back. Looks like an angle of about, ooh, 30 degrees. Okay. And that's what made me very good. I, you know, I took the time to know all these little things that no one else would have time to think about. Can you still measure a foot without uh, a ruler pretty well? <laughs> no, I, pro- <laughs> I probably can't, uh, unfortunately. Were you playing the medieval version or were you doing 40K or were you doing a little bit of both? So my buddies kind of switched, but I was just the medieval stuff, just the fantasy stuff. 
I assume you painted them. Did you paint them? Yeah. And boy, that was very, very time consuming. And the reason that uh, we painted them was because you had to paint them in order to enter a lot of the tournaments. What we didn't realize was that you could just undercoat them. So people, what, what they would do is they just buy this new army and then they just undercoat it in white or black and that would be considered painted. It was a weird loophole, but we, we painted them. We actually did paint everything we, we played with. So you fell out of that eventually. So where did that gaming energy go? It went a couple places, actually. So after that, I'd say college happens. I did uh, absolutely no gaming in college. Um, wasn't even on my radar. Because the only game I really... I knew two kinds of games. Monopoly and Trouble and whatever. And then Warhammer. And I didn't know anything. There was anything in between. And then I think what happened was Cards Against Humanity came out. Like People played that at bars and stuff kind of opened my eyes that other things exist on the market. And then I really got curious when somebody pulled out Seven Wonders. So I have another group of friends who are big into roleplay stuff. And I wasn't a big role player, but I said, okay, I'll, I'll show up there. He said, you'll like it. Let's do it. you like it. I said, I don't know, but okay, I'll go. Well, anyways, this one time, a couple guys couldn't show up. So one of the guys who's hosting pulls out Seven Wonders played it and i was hooked and then i said what is this he said this is a modern board game i said what's a modern board game so like what time is this what year ish is this maybe 2007 or something okay 10 15 years ago and then i basically didn't do anything with gaming for quite a while until probably i think i just went out and i was so tired of not playing the games that I went out and bought Seven Wonders or something. Uh, bought maybe, maybe I bought Cards Against Humanity and I would just host people at my place in Lakeview. I was living in Lakeview then. Were you the person who was bringing the games into that situation? Did people start bringing their own games? Were you the one introducing them to games? How did that grow? I would introduce games. One guy brought Game of Thrones, second edition. So we did that for like a couple of years on and off. It was once every two weeks, and then I turned it in like once a month. And then it was like once every couple months, and then it just kind of like fizzled out. I didn't realize that sometimes they were showing up just because I asked them, not, the, not because they really wanted to play anything. So did you reach a point where you kind of felt like, I want to stay friends with my friends, but I need to find a special group to play games with? What kind of became your next step? You know, yes, that is what happened. So they would show up occasionally. And it just wasn't enough for me. You know, when you get that itch, you just want to scratch it. You know, I looked hard for gaming. And I, this is a part of the hobby that I don't think people talk about very much. So maybe we talk about it for a second. I looked around and I tried finding a gaming group, but it just never quite worked. And I had been going to Gen Con. So even at Gen Con, I had some good experiences meeting people, but never even at Gen Con, never found anybody local. I had tried meetups and I tried... There was a store in Belmont, uh, near Belmont and Redline. Can't remember the name of the store. It's closed now. But I would go there and I'd have the game out. And I was like, hey, if anybody wants to play, I'm available. Love to show you this game off. And like no one, everyone is very nice, but no one was ever interested. It just never really worked out. And the meetups I'd go to were fine, but they were never playing anything that I wanted to play. See, at this point, I discovered Euro games. That kind of gave me the same feeling as Warhammer. 
but it's way more condensed. Like you play a Euro game, hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever. But it gave me that same deep strategic thinking. And so I was looking to play that kind of stuff. And so my meetup experience, which I think is different for men, many other people I've talked to, was that I would go to these meetups and it would be a lot of lighter games. And it was fine. I met some cool people, but they never were really playing the games I wanted to play. Then I hosted my own meetup, actually. So I, you know, I had some successful meetups for sure, but they were always new people. They weren't the same people. Not what I was looking for. If the meetup were very successful, I would have paid the $25 in perpetuity, probably. But then I'm thinking, you know what? I'm paying 25 bucks, couple of that a month. That's a game, you know? So I canceled that. And then I thought, you know what? Let me try Facebook. Let me just see how, how it could go. Was that the birth of the Chicago board game group? Yeah. I mean, it really was. It was just me saying last ditch effort. I'm going to go to Facebook because I think groups had just become, maybe I'd seen an advertisement or something. They seemed relatively new to me. And, and you know what? I looked online and I was very shocked that there was no like Chicago board game thing on Facebook. There was, I think, Toggle maybe, but I didn't realize what that was because of the name. Just nothing really seemed current or very active. There are a couple things on there, but. So this is when, is this February, 2020? I think I created it in February 2020, but I don't know if I even opened it up then. Because the guys that I first started gaming with uh, when I opened up the site, I still game with now. So this is already a giant success. So happy to have found these guys. So you opened up the Facebook group and you immediately kind of found a group of people. Yeah, it was weird timing though too, right? Because COVID had just hit. Everything is sort of shut down. We don't know much about the virus. Everybody's scared. I just thought, you know, let me just throw this out there. And even if we're not playing in person, let me let me make something so people can find each other in Chicago and people can game online at least. This is why I don't think I opened it up maybe until like June or something. After I um, created it, I had maybe 100, maybe it was less than 100 people on there, something in June. And then I did the first in-person meetup, and I think four people showed up. Because that's right in the middle of COVID, right? I mean, that's a, it was a weird time. It was a weird time, June 2020. My wife and I are going back and forth, like, should I do it? Should I not do it? So I thought, okay, I'm hosting this one this time. I'm going to play one game I want to play, and if I never see these guys again, I will at least have played one game I want to play. And so I busted out Gaia Project. Ooh, all right. You went straight for the jugular there. <laughs> yeah, you've played, right? You played? Uh, I haven't, but I've you know read the rules and seen some of it played. So I know it's a, a good, heavy Euro space game. Yeah, it's a good one. So yeah, I said, you know what? The worst case scenario is I'm going to get one game played. And if I never see these guys again, I'm going to go home and tell my wife, I got Gaia Project out tonight. It's a success. We... Actually played two other games before that. They had brought some games. Justin, who you interviewed, who does some work for Meeple Mountain, Justin Bell, he brought Villagers, short card game, kind of like a Tableau engine builder. Kev brought a Japanese-inspired game. So it was heading towards uh, maybe 8.30. And I said, okay, Gaia Project. (laughs) 
<laughs> you busted that Gaia project out at closing time. Wow. Yeah. They closed at 10. I said, okay, 90 minutes. We, we might be able to do it. Everybody agreed. Let's give it a shot. We gave it a shot. We didn't finish, but I still game with those guys today. That's awesome. So you didn't finish, but people were intrigued. People were intrigued. And these are gamers, you know, like these are gamers who at that time were looking to find people. So like, I don't think he minds me saying this. Justin, for example, was with a group before, but because of COVID, the group had kind of disbanded. And so he was at a point where he's like, look, I, you know, I'm looking to meet people. I'm looking to game. So that's why he joined. And COVID had brought a lot of people to tabletop gaming who had never, you know, touched it before. So Kev, the guy I mentioned who brought a game, was sort of newly into gaming. One of the guys I game with named Joel, same thing. These are people who just sort of found it because of COVID and they were trapped inside. Uh, now they're buying games left and right. And they're like super in the hobby. You're talking about going to Gen Con. So, yeah, so it, I had opened it just out of frustration. And I'm very happy that people are on the site. And I'm very happy that people use it when they do. It feels good to have just done something that people might use. At the very least for you, the Facebook group has been a huge success. It's awesome that you set out to do this thing and, and it really worked for you. And I think it's working for a lot of people. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the group. So it's the Chicago Board Game Group. It's on Facebook. It's about 800 members now. Is that right? Uh, I think we're at 825. Yeah, 825. So what do you think the purpose of the group is now? How do you see people using it? Well, I see a couple posts here and there about people sharing their gaming experiences. And I, and I always love that. And I post mine. And I don't game as often as I would like to. A lot of people I game with, for example, they game outside of my group. My group, they're the only people I game with. And so if I get to post twice a week that I played a game, I'm happy with that. And so, yeah, I, my goal for the site, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I would love this to be the one-stop shop for a bunch of events in Chicago. I would love the stores to promote their sales on this page. I don't take a single dollar. I make no money off of anything. I don't want to make any money off of anything. I just want someone to not have the experience that I had where they're into this hobby. They want to be into it more and they just can't find people. And it doesn't matter if you're a heavy Euro guy, if you're a you know miniature tabletop war guy playing Settlers of Catan, it doesn't matter. If you want to find people, I just wanted to be a part of the community that could help provide a means to connect. That's sort of my goal. And I've reached out to Dice Dojo, for example. I, th I think their page is linked to the group. Athena Board Game Cafe, she's been on there sort of since day one. And she, she'll put her stuff on there, whether there's a sale or an event. And honestly, I would love every gaming store to just promote their stuff on there so people could go to one spot and see all this stuff. That's a great goal. It's a great mission to have. Do you feel like people are using the group the way you had hoped and intended? I do. Probably 90% of people are in the group just because they like board games. They don't really have much of a use for it. They're not going to post about their board game experience. They're not going to look for people to meet up with. They're not going to create events. Do you think that's because they have already got their group and they're just kind of already in their, in their zone, so they're not looking to expand? Yeah, I do think that. I think people are, uh, pe some people are in good places. Their groups are set. But there are people who have found groups 
through the Facebook page and just have it posted about it. For example, two or three Revolution Brewery events ago, there was a, a very nice girl I was talking to who said that she had found a group of seven or eight people that had gotten together and they're a group now. I remember her posting this maybe a year ago that she was looking for a group and a bunch of people responded and then she never posted again. And then she goes to this event and we start talking and she's like, oh my God, it's you. This is great. Thank you so much. Like I've been playing with these people for maybe whatever she said, a year now. And we do it every week. I had no idea, you know, and I wonder how often that happens and I just don't know about it. So it sounds like you would like people to maybe post a little more about their experiences. It sounds like you wish the community maybe was a little more active. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, I, Maybe they don't want the whole world seeing that, that they're board gaming or whatever they're doing. So I understand why they're not posting. But yeah, I would love for people in my ideal world, all the events, anytime somebody's hosting and is willing to have more people, they'd create an event. I'd pin it to the tab and people could just show up. People could just pop in and be welcomed into the community. Chicago, you know, is the third largest city and in many ways, I was very shocked that outside of um, the meetups, there wasn't that much going on that I could find. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to say, oh, well, it's because you didn't look here. That's probably true. But that I could find, there wasn't that many things that suited what I was looking for. Well, I do think people really get into their routine and into their group, and maybe they stop losing some of their curiosity about finding other people and continuing to look. But now this is an opportunity for them to maybe find some new opportunities and and maybe continue to do stuff with their existing friends, but maybe find a new group that they also do some things with. Yeah, I would love people just to know that if they throw something out there, they might be surprised at what they get back. So notice to people who are either in the group or if you join the group, Jason is ready to promote your event. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, for sure. And now the group has done some events. Is that something you want to do more of in the future? Is that something that's part of your plan? Yeah. Well, I do it once a month. Once a month now, we usually get maybe around 10 people. I think the lowest one time we had like five people. Kind of ebbs and flows. So I do it once a month. Um, if there's more interest, you know, I'd probably figure something out. I don't know if I would be there. And Revolution's nice because they have the big tables. Uh, they let me reserve a space. You can bring food in if you want to. They've got great beer. I can attest to it personally. It is a great gaming afternoon. Great tables, great food, great people, fun time. And I know you've got one coming up, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show before things go. Plans for the future for the group? Things that you would like to be doing more of? Things you'd like to see more of? Probably just business as usual. A couple guys were talking about running a convention. I don't know if there's interest in that. If you listen to the podcast and you have interest in a Chicago-based convention, let me know. I did start looking at some pricing. I, again, I don't need to make a dollar off this. It's just an event to get people together. You can chalk me up as interested. There we go. Yeah, that'd be great. Do you have co-moderators, co-helpers? Are you looking for people to help more? Yeah, I mean, uh, right now it's just Justin as the moderator, but if there were people who could help promote the group or, or somebody who runs events all the time, there was a, a couple people who've been hosting events very regularly. I mean, I would be happy to um, you know, make them some level of admin 
I would love to get it out there. If anybody knows people who are looking to meet gamers or if you think that this group could be useful to anybody, please, please, please recommend it. I have people fill out a survey when they join the group. There's three questions that I ask. And the only reason I ask that is because you'd be surprised at how many weird requests to join the group I get. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Scammers are always looking for a spot to plant their flag. That's right. This seems like a good opportunity to maybe play the Board Game Times minigame, our regular questionnaire. Do you think you're ready for that? I am ready. I've studied up. Oh, okay. He's, he knows all his answers already. I should have changed my questions. All right. Well, let's do it. Jason, first question. What is your gaming beverage of choice? Okay. I think a lot of my answers are going to be similar to yours. I just listened to your podcast. So I think if alcoholic beverages uh, seem to be flowing, then I'd probably choose a uh, bourbon. But if it's not that kind of place, then I'd probably pick tea, hot tea. Very good. What kind of bourbon? I go Maker's Mark, really. You know, it's got that high corn content, makes it a little sweet at the end. I kind of like that. A whiskey man. I like it. All right. Next question then. What is your preferred number of players? Had I not listened to your uh, answers, I would have probably said four, but I think three and four is probably my answer as well. For two-player games, you do two players, right? And actually, I don't mind solo game. I do solo game uh, because it's easy for me to do it here. I've been playing a lot of them during the pandemic myself. It's a great way to learn a game too. Oh, great way to learn a game before teach, and it's fun. But I'd say my preferred number of gamers is... Uh, three or four. So maybe four if you made me pick. Okay. Then next question. What is your most admirable gaming trait or behavior? I would say my most admirable gaming trait is that I will play anything or teach anything once. And I've been going to Gen Con for, oh gosh, 15 years now, something crazy. And even at Gen Con, like if you can pitch me, like I will stop what I'm doing if you pitch me well, I will stop and I will try that game. Independent publisher from, you know, the Netherlands, I will try your game. So that's probably my admirable trait. That's a good one. You know, it's good to be open to games. If you play somebody's game, people just like that you're open to that. All right. Well, we got to get to the flip side then. What is your least admirable gaming trait or behavior? So probably I like to, <laughs> likes the wrong word. I tend to call out my turns and sort of re-ask questions that have already been answered. That's an annoying trait to have in general. So for example, I might say, let's say we're playing a heavy game. We're playing on Mars or something. And I'd say something like, I'm going to uh, move to the build uh, action. I'm going to kick you two out. I'm going to build uh, this oxygen condenser here, gain two water, take this executive action, and that's my turn. So I do that, but then I'll also, just to be very clear, um, I'll say something like, guys, just to be clear, the conversion is three coins, uh, one point, right, at the end game. I'll say, yeah, we went over that in the teach an hour ago. I go, I know, I'm just clarifying. It's three to one, right? They go, yeah. So that's my least admirable trait. All right. So the call out, the, the narration aspect. The narration. There you go. Okay. Some people don't like. I like that, actually. I think that would be good. I like it when it's really clear what people are doing during their turn. That's a good one. Good to call out. All right. The next question then. What is a type or genre of game that you just love to play? Oh, yeah. I love Euros. I love dry, 
boring looking, heavy Euros. I'll play anything, but I definitely lean towards the Euros. We joke in the group that uh, some of the driest games that you could think of end up being the most fun. Uh, For example, uh, have you played Lignum? I have not. (laughs) The game of wood, right? It's a game of wood. It's all about, it's like a 15th, maybe 16th century game about Germans cutting wood in the forest. You cut the trees, you move the trees, and you sell the trees. That's it. Only people who can listen to this podcast, and and, and even then, maybe only a small subset of those people (laughs) can appreciate that there might be a game there. You try and tell that to, you know, a, a civilian as it were. And yeah, they'll look really cross-eyed at you. That's hilarious. So what is a type or genre of game that you just don't enjoy? Yeah. Um, let's see. There's almost nothing I wouldn't play. I feel like, um, part of the social contract of gaming is I, you play my game. I play your game. doesn't matter what you're going to put in front of me. That's sort of the, the give and take. Um, there are people who don't do that. And, you know, so it's, it's a weird position to take, I think, in this day and age with gaming. But um, I think there'd be no game that someone could put in front of me that I wouldn't play. However, a game games that I just don't like would be um, Cards Against Humanity. Like, I loved it at one point because of its raunchiness and shock factor. Like, I couldn't be more adverse to it now. Since I'm more of a Euro guy, um, I tend to shy away from um, heavy dice games unless they're relatively short. So, you know, you give me a game that lasts an hour, I don't care how many dice you're rolling. But if we're, we're going to play a two-hour game and we're chucking dice and it comes down to dice, you know, I'd play it, but it wouldn't be my favorite. Okay. Not getting quite as much fun out of it. Right. So theme unimportant to you or just kind of secondary? You know, this is a great topic to talk about. I would say that theme, it's mixed because you can have a boring, dry game about cutting wood and the mechanics are good. So the theme is irrelevant. However, I think heavily themed Euros are like my favorites. So I think theme does matter. And, you know, let's be honest, I think theme really sells games too. Because you can have the best mechanics in the world but nobody's going to look at that game if the box art isn't there and the theme isn't there. And so I think theme is important, but mechanics first. Okay. So where do you stand on like Ameritrash games? Yeah, well, I spent a lot of money on one of them. Um, I was going to say, you kind of come from that background, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Talk about throwing dice and moving miniatures around. Warhammer. Oh my gosh, yeah. Man, there's so many dice. I also have Cthulhu Wars. Cthulhu Wars is great because, yes, it's it's dice-throwing Ameritrash, but it doesn't play that long. I played a game of, I think, five people in under 90 minutes. The ones that are tough for me are the ones where it's a three-hour game. I played, um, is it Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror? I can't remember. One of yeah. them, and I can't remember if it was the new Arkham or the old one, played that, uh, and that was like three hours, and I didn't love it. So, yeah, I'll play some Ameritrash games. Just make them short. (laughs) Okay, there you go. (laughs) Bring your Ameritrash. Keep it short. All right, let's get to the next question then. What is a physical game component that you love? Yeah. Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I I find myself liking the upgrading components for the games that come from Eagle Griffin. So those things are, like, very nice. 
I really like pieces that are heavy, that have some weight, not just size, but just some some weight. You pick it up and you go, oh yeah. Um, we've been using, I got some iron clays. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, right? You pick one of those up, you're like, why am I using paper money? For people who don't know what those are, those are poker chips, a particular kind of poker chip. And I think they're called iron clays because there's a little bit of metal in them. So they are heavy. They have some real weight to them. Yeah, they're chunky and they feel good. So my favorite game components, I'd say, yeah, anything chunky, anything heavy. All right. So next up, what is a game that you own, but you haven't had the chance to play yet? You know, this is going to sound unbelievable, uh, but I don't actually own any games I haven't played. Oh, impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, is it? I don't know. I, I guess. I've seen some of your postings. You seem like a guy who gets <laughs> things to the table very quickly after he buys them. That is correct. Um, I do. I think within the group, it's kind of understood. Uh, if someone buys something, like expect to see it very soon. Awesome. I won't bother to try and tell you how many of these games you see behind me. I have not played because <laughs> it's way I, too many. I don't see shrink, so it's not that. <laughs> no, they always come out of shrink. I, nothing sits in shrink because that's half the fun, right? I want to see the inside of that board game the minute I buy it. Uh, okay, an impressive zero games he owns but hasn't played yet. <laughs> So next, what is a game that you really want to play, but you just haven't yet? Oh, yeah. There are a few, uh, but it's it's always changing. One of the games that I'd like to play that I haven't, you want games that are out though, right? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, okay. If, you, if it's just something you're anticipating. Yeah, so, okay. So Essen, so you know, being a guy like Eurogamers, Essen's always when those Euro games are released. It makes me jealous all the time. You go to Gen Con. Most of the Euro distributors don't show up. Maybe a couple do here and they're the big guys. But um, Gollum, very interested to play that. Very interested to play, oh, what's the other one? Weather Machine. That, that's not going to come out for a couple of years, probably a year or whatever. Very interested to play that. Very interested to play the um, expansion or like module-based uh, changing of the game for On Mars. Have you heard of that one? Uh, I know On Mars. I haven't played it. And it's, it's like an alien invasion, right? Which is kind of fun. Yeah, right. That one, Lagranha, I think is how you pronounce it. They're doing a deluxe edition at some point. I don't know when that's being released. Very interested in that. Uh, what's the other one from um, the guy who did Praga? Suchi. Right. He's Messina. Messina. Yep. Messina. Very interested in trying that. Ark Nova. I know I'm missing a couple, but that whole, every time the Essence stuff, for me, it's always like cruel torture. Because the Essence stuff comes out in October. And then all these Euro distributors used to say uh, Q1, Q1, you know, seeding Q1. And then it's always like March and then it's sometimes April before you get a chance. So, yeah, those are some of the things I'm really looking forward to. That's a good list. I played a few of those, but there's some good ones in there to anticipate. I don't know you that well, but I think you're going to like Gollum and I think you're going to like Lagranja. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Pretty positive about that. Okay, then final question. A game that you currently just want to recommend and why? Many I could recommend, but I'm going to shoot sort of middle middle of the road here and say Marco Polo 2. Good one. Recommend that. I think it is a tight game, an engaging game. I think it's better, actually, than Marco Polo 1. The artwork's better. The components, I think, are maybe a little better. I don't know. The gameplay is great. Um, I think it's accessible for most people. 
even people who are newer to gaming, they will be able to take a turn without a relatively long teach. It's not the lightest game. Not saying it's a light game by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's a solid medium weight Euro, or if not that, then Concordia. You know, something that people can access that I think is a Euro is is my recommendation. Awesome. A couple of good ones there. Marco Polo 2 and Concordia, both excellent games. Well, congratulations. You've made it through the minigame. You survived. You came through intact. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Your morals are in place. <laughs> so let's do a little bit of promotion. Let's talk about the Facebook group, where people can find it, how they can sign up, how they can participate. We have an event coming up on the 29th at noon at Revolution Brewery on Kedzie. The doors open at noon sharp. So if you show up at 11.59, the doors uh, are locked. And at noon, they electronically open. So I'll be out there 10 minutes early. <laughs> but if you see people standing out there, don't think it's not happening. It's just noon sharp they start. If you've never been there, it doesn't look like much. It looks like you're standing outside of a brick warehouse building. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. It does look like that. And it's next to a Nissan dealership. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's better on the inside. Oh, absolutely. The group, again, is Chicago Board Game Group. You can find us on Facebook. Just search under groups, uh, Chicago Board Game Group, and you'll find us. Click the join button, answer the questions, and I'll let you in. And I hope that we can meet one day and we can game together. Fantastic. I can heartily endorse it. One of the reasons I wanted to have Jason on was I just think that group is great. There's so many people on there. I think it's a great opportunity to participate in the community, dip your toe in, you know, as far as you want, dip your entire leg in. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do. You might just want to meet a couple of people to play a game with or get involved with all sorts of different groups and start coming out to these regular events. It's whatever you want to make of it. As Jason has said, if you want to volunteer to maybe do some more stuff, sounds like he's open to that. Get in there, meet a bunch of gamers. It's an awesome group. And uh, Jason, the community owes you some thanks for setting that up. Just a great way to talk about games with your fellow Chicagoans, right? There's a million places you can talk about board games on the internet, but it's really nice to be able to talk about it with people that you might have a chance of meeting, <laughs> you know, yeah. that are local and you might even have a chance of getting together with them instead of somebody who's across the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if getting together in person, is important to you with the people you game with. I think this is a great resource here in town to start meeting people and getting together and playing games. And I assume, Jason, that's kind of what you'd like to see more of too. Absolutely. And thank you for posting your podcast in the group. I mean, oh, I thanks. It's really great. Yeah. Shamelessly promoting myself yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a board game group. Yeah, you, you don't need to thank me for that. That's like <laughs> business 101. Well, still, I mean, it is, but uh, it's really great that you're doing something. So I'm giving my thanks to you. because. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, but it is super cool that you're doing something specifically for Chicago. Because like you said, you can get your board game news and learn about people in the industry in many other ways. But you're doing Chicago stuff. And that's really, really cool. And getting together is what it's all about. That's what I, I really want to encourage people to find your group. That's great. But also occasionally get out of your group and meet some new people. And let's build this community. As Jason said, you know, we are the third largest city in the country. We should have one of the best board game groups in the country easily. Yeah, the best. For sure. Right. The there best. You go. We've got all those bars, all those restaurants. We are made to game this city. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Best of luck to you in 
growing the Facebook group and running these events and continuing to play great games and finding more groups to play games with and playing as much as you want, whatever you want. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Take care. Okay. And that is my interview with Jason Volt. Thanks again to Jason for joining me this week. I want to encourage everybody to go online and sign up for the Chicago Board Game Group on Facebook. Even if you're not a big Facebook fan, just go on there and do this one thing because it's a great opportunity to connect with your fellow Chicagoans who are playing games of all sorts. Join up, post about yourself, ask some questions, start some events, find some new friends. Let's get that community going. Before I go, I do have a bit of personal professional news to share with you today. I don't often like to talk about myself, but this was news that I thought was really exciting for me personally, and I just wanted to share it. As of the beginning of March, I am going to be working in the board game business. I have accepted a job with Panda Game Manufacturing. They are a maker of all the board games you play around the world. If you look at the back of a box and a barcode, you may see a little panda on it, and that means Panda Game Manufacturing was involved in it in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to be joining them as a project manager, so I will be working with board game creators and board game publishers to help get their designs turned into reality. I just couldn't be more thrilled. It was always a dream of mine when I started this podcast to maybe find some kind of a job in the industry, and almost a year later, here I am, and I'm about to start my journey with a brand new company, Panda Game Manufacturing. So I'm super excited. I hope you're excited for me. I hope I'll be able to sort of share some information and tidbits throughout the year as I start working there. I certainly have to respect the company's privacy, so there's a lot of details I won't be sharing, but it's going to be really exciting for me, and I hope I get a chance to share some of it with you. I cannot wait to get started on the job, so wish me luck. As for what the impact on the podcast is going to be, you know, I don't know. I hope to keep doing the podcast. I'm only doing it every couple of weeks now anyway, so hopefully this won't impact, but I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot of time to schedule interviews, do the interview, and then edit the podcast. It's a fair amount of time. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to stay on schedule and deliver a podcast every couple of weeks, but bear with me. If I slow down or it becomes a little less regular, please understand it's because I'm working hard in the board game industry and trying to get my legs, and uh, maybe when I've finally done that, I'll be able to do it more often. But for the moment, I'm going to try and go forward and not have any interruptions. So let me know how I'm doing. Please let me know what you think about the episode. I'd like to hear your feedback on what you heard with our guests as well. I'm not going to lie. I don't get a lot of feedback from people. Maybe that just means people are listening to the podcast and they like it and that's great. But if you have something you want to share, I'd sure appreciate it. Let me know. You can always reach me at Clark at BoardGameTimes.com. That's Times with an S. Or on the Board Game Times Facebook page. You can also help out by sharing this podcast with your gaming friends. Obviously, I want my guests to be able to reach as many people as possible, so the more people I can get to subscribe, the merrier, right? Also, if you could rate and review wherever you find the podcast, that just helps. It's the way we get the word out on the podcast as a whole. Thanks for letting me plug. As always, thank you for listening. Play lots of games. Be good to one another. And may all your board game times be the best of times. Take care. Take care.